Welcome to the Pundas Preamble. My name is Jake Altieri, stepping in once again for Simon Dinopoulos, who's down there enjoying all the festivities of Blue Diamond Day. But of course, Adam Blenko will join me in the studio as he always does. Blinks, we're going around the grounds for the highest rated horse this weekend. Plenty of racing to get through. It is a candidate for biggest weekend of racing of the year, is it not? We've got um, Saudi Cup internationally. We've got the time on at El Cheapo Cars from Otaki. One of the best names in racing, that's got to be. That Well, when I'm on the South Island and I'm looking for a used car, I only go El Cheapo. That's just you in general, isn't it? El Cheapo. <laughs> Sunday, we've got The Clash in Hong Kong. The Well, the rematch, is it not? And it's this time on Romantic Warriors terms with G60. And of course, at home, on the home front, Blue Diamond Day, arguably the best, certainly one of the best race days of the year in Melbourne, or in Australia, really. Uh, and Animo stepping out amongst two Group 1s. Both Godolphin-dominated Group 1s at Randwick. So that is a bumper weekend. So the highest-rated horse actually took a bit of finding. Well, not really, but <laughs> we knew who it was. But, um, yeah, we'll go round the ground. So highest-rated horse, as this microphone moves on me, Tiber is the highest-rated horse at the Saudi Cup meeting, the richest race on the planet, 20 million US. The richest in cash, maybe not the richest in soul, but... <laughs> But Tiber is a very good horse, brings the flight line form to the world stage. Got smashed to pieces by flight line in that Breeders' Cup Classic. Has won the Malibu since, which is actually the race that flight line won 12 months before that. And I think Charlatan won it the year before that. So it's a good horse's race. There's a lot of group, a bit like Australia, there's a lot of group ones in the US, but there are good ones. And the Malibu, which Tiber won, is a good one. Not the Charlatan we know and love, surely. Not Joe Pride's or ex-Joe Pride, Charlatan. This is Charlatan. Close enough. Um, Singapore bound Slightly, now. slightly better horse than the home version. Yeah, but does he create as much controversy? Uh, you know, back in his day, nearly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he actually went to Saudi Arabia and flamed up. So he did cause a bit of controversy, I suppose, in a sense. Um, this was a funny race last year. So the Bizarro, you know, there's Bizarros everywhere you look because it's a, um, or Dunno's as well. Yeah, last year, the local one at Emblem Road and it was a bit, it was all a bit funky, so there might be a huge home ground advantage to be had in in Riyadh. Um, but there's, as you would expect at a big international meeting, a strong Japanese challenge to Tiber, but Country Grammar turns up as well, who's also got the flight line form for the same stable. But Tiber's the, the big name in, in the big race. Um, there's some interesting turf races as well. A fantastic Dunno slash Bizarro in Subjectivist, back from 20 months off the scene dominated the Ascot World Cup, uh, Ascot Gold Cup after winning the Dubai Gold Cup. He was, we'd stamped himself at that point as better than Stradivarius and the best stayer on, on the planet when it all went a cropper, unfortunately. But he's back and it'll be great to see him back and, and well done for getting him back. But first up of 20 months in Saudi Arabia, is uh, that's a fair candidate for Dunno, isn't it? Or Bizarro. Couldn't quite squeeze him in this week, though. No, I mucked around with a few of these races, modelled them out. I'd Where's the big? Let me let me give the let's give the punters something. What's the biggest value I can show somewhere? Miss the cut versus Mustardaf's a good race. Um, Anything D lane riding? Luda Sion. Let me just uh, got the odds comparison up here. So just me flicking around makes for good podcasting, I'm sure. Luda Sion twenty five to one for Japan against Songline ran fourth in this race, the thirteen fifty one turf sprint, thirteen fifty one because that's how far they run. It must just be to fit in with the track. Uh, 
understandably this is this is a huge Japanese influence, this this race. Songline at, at the top, Bathrat Leon and Resistencia comes up single figures, but she's been she was you've seen Resistencia recently. She was behind Wellington at the Hong Kong sprint. Didn't barely beat one home. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't quite see her. Yeah, she wasn't prominent. I was too busy cheering home Wellington. So she comes up single figures, and so given her two most recent runs have been falling out the back of the telly, and she fronts up here, I'm I'm well and truly out of line with the market there in my little go at things. So Lauda Sion comes up 25 to 1, and that looks too big to me. So there's something for the punters in my... from my. I better get something out of mucking around with all these Saudi races. Half an hour, 45 minutes of my time. There you go. That's what you get. A twenty-five to one winner, but the the highest rated horse anywhere on the planet will be in Hong Kong on Sunday. This is your specialty. You are our Hong Kong preview review form man, and it is Golden Sixty, and it's you know, the great champ. Golden Sixty gets a chance. Flight lines off the scene. We'll see a bit of his form at the Saudi meeting, but he's gone. Baid is gone. Nature Strip, as of last week, is gone. So this is Golden Sixty's chance to confirm himself the best horse in the world. Is it not? Sort of. <laughs> After that big wind-up, sort of. Uh, 2,000 metres of the Hong Kong Gold Cup on Sunday evening, where Romantic Warrior will again line up. California Spangle has not stretched out to the 2,000 metres this time. He will drop back to 1,400 and take on the sprinters in a few weeks' time. I think it's Derby Day. So that's another head-to-head thriller in Hong Kong. Spangle yeah. versus Lucky Swain S. Versus Wellington, yep. Oh, Over the and, 1400. And Wellington, of course. So that'll be Derby Day, probably three or four weeks from now. Yep. Uh, so. But which way are you going? Romantic Warrior. I thought you might be. So obviously, huge win in the Hong Kong Cup on International Day in December. Probably went too slow for him last start in that mile. What's, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. But Stewards Cup. The Stewards Cup, that is correct, over the mile where. Purton was stuck in between a rock and a hard place. Too slow. Golden 60 ran over the top of him too fast. Romantic Warrior was going to outstay him. Ultimately, you need the horsepower. Yes, and apparently he's not much good, California Spangle, according to uh, Zach Purton's comments during the week. Doesn't have, <laughs> doesn't have, doesn't have the will to win like Golden 60. Boy, but boy. I digress. <laughs> the way that uh, Romantic Warrior sort of stayed on in that event was pretty key to how they're going to line up here. He's $1.80 currently. In some markets with Golden 60 second pick, and I think that's about right. And I think he might be slightly trimmed up even further on race day. Yeah, well, that's an interesting... I was going to ask that question. Which way... So you're leaning Romantic Warrior. Which way do you think the the fans will, will lean? Does G60 still have the big pull? Huge win last time. was a good win last time, but I think at 2,000 metres is where he is most vulnerable. And he's probably shown that throughout his career where he's probably quickened off slowish tempos. And now I assume Karis Teton's going to take the bull by the horns and force Golden 60 to run right past him. They'd be mad not to, wouldn't they? Well, I mean, they tried that in the Stewart's Cup where he settled in front of him and gave Warrior every chance. But I think the slow tempo just cost him that day. A couple of speed influences, namely Money Catcher. So there should be a genuine tempo on offer. And I think with a genuine tempo and the staying ability of... Romantic Warrior, he can get the job done there in the Gold Cup on Sunday. So your dream scenario, I suppose, just thinking about it, your dream scenario is that the fans rally behind their established champ and that you get Black Odds, Romantic Warrior, and then we're and then it's you're pushing in. That's the this is your this is your dream. Yeah, well, I'm hopefully they do what they have done and get it wrong 
in the <laughs> markets got, in Hong Kong. Yeah, so. they've had a lot of big clashes lately and they've been zigging when they should have zagged. So you're, you're cheering for more of that. Hopefully, and uh, we'll get a win either way. If he's $2, I just have everything. <laughs> but he's $1.80, so you've got to have half. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, closer to home, gamble responsibly. Of course, <laughs> half of half of everything of mine's not that much. But uh, <laughs> closer to home, highest rated horse in Australia is Animo, going around in the Chipping Norton, and he's odds on. And do we believe that's correct? Uh, I don't see any real value in odds on, but it's it's not incorrect, is it? And he is the highest rated horse going around in Australia this weekend. Just shy of Golden 60 for that honour globally. Uh, and he does, he steps out, and maybe the story, as was the case in the Apollo, and quite a few of the high, big, big name races to start this year, actually. It's, I don't see a lot of betting appeal in the early market there, but there's a lot of sporting appeal. And, and seven days on from Nature Strip, probably signing off at least on his TJ rating. He's now run, Nature Strip's now run four times this racing season in Australia and I think that's enough evidence now to say last year's ratings are no longer representative of the champ until further notice. Um, so this is Animo's chance to shore up now his place, taking over from Nature Strip as Australia's number one racehorse. So I think that's the that's what lies in, in front of Animo. I've been running around saying that he has won more group ones, group grade ones in Godolphin Blue than any other horse worldwide. And then when I was just having a look, at what you know, the other two were being Fantastic Light and Daylami because they've both won six Group Ones, and I just wanted to confirm they were both. Well, I thought they were both rated 135. Fantastic Light was actually rated 134. Animo's rated 126. This is by time form, uh, but Daylami is rated 135. And there's a seventh Group One when I was going through them. There's a sneaky Man of War stakes over in the US. So now Animo is actually tied with Daylami on seven Group Ones, <laughs> and. So once again, he has to conquer that mountain once again, and become the uh, most, <laughs> and become the horse who's won more Group Ones in Godolphin Blue than any other toppling Daylami. That happens this week. He also faces a little challenge in my nerd world, where tables and lists mean something, <laughs> of catching Bivouac at the top of the James Cummings has trained list of ratings. So he's uh, he's joined Avilius. He's toppled Avilius. Kementari, Trekking, Hartnell, Impending, Cascadian, Home of the Brave Elise, even little Eurozone and Hallowed Crown in there from days gone by, pre-blue. Uh, but Bivouac's peaks, he probably didn't have the consistency or the versatility or even now the longevity of an Animo, but he did have the peaks. So can Animo, for all that, you know, he does so much right, but can he produce the big peaks? He won't need to on Saturday. Um, and I do know he did take a little step backwards second up at a mile last preparation. But that's obviously reading way too much into things because he improved second up every other second up run of his life. But um, he did take a little step backwards at this point last preparation. And Fangirl was terrific first up. But she did the same thing first up last prep and went even further backwards. So the answer's a pineapple. Question with Fangirl, I guess. Karen McAvoy riding her again. Do you think it's different if... Hugh Bowman comes down and rides her and not Mawunga. Do you have a different feeling about that then? It doesn't change what, how I look at the race. No, not really. I'm sure if you were just a straight up... I'm, Hugh Bowman is a... By the numbers, Hugh Bowman is a more efficient winning jockey than Kara McAvoy, so there might be some slight edge. It wouldn't, it wouldn't impact how I price the race 
I wouldn't have thought. Hugh Bowman actually flies back to ride in secret in the other group one for James, who is the dominant number one trainer on the Racing and Sports Power Rankings. Well, maybe. Oh. So last night... Alarm bell. News. Breaking. Well, not breaking news, but last <laughs> night Hugh Bowman didn't ride at Happy Valley due to illness. Oh. Uh, currently recording Thursday afternoon. There's supposed to be a report coming out, so you will probably know by this point, but... We'll just continue on saying that he will be riding in secret. No, it's a shame because I, I had a little fun fact. Well, well, you can still get he's technically he's, he's technically still riding. Yeah, okay. until further notice. Well, in secret is what an even money flick, and I think that's loosely right uh, to land what would be Hughes' one hundredth Australian Group One winner. He's ridden five overseas, but it would be his hundredth Australian Group One winner. Eighty-five of them winks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. She uh, certainly helped him uh, rocket up that leaderboard. Oh, that's an achievement. That's a little fun fact for everyone. Good on you, Huey. For all the journalists list- listening who want to, um, you know, you like to just tap in that little bit of filler between paragraphs when you're doing a race report or whatever. There it is. Art Bowman, who was winning his 100th Group 1 in Australia. <laughs> you're welcome, guys. You mentioned off-air, just briefly, albeit, laws of indices, nominated for the futurity as well as the chipping Norton. Is there a way that you think he should go? Oh, there's probably not a lot in it, actually. He's I'm sort of ignoring his Hong Kong peak run there, and I'm almost to some to some extent ignoring his Cox Plate run as well, and saying he's a sli- like I'm downgrading laws of indices a little bit. I'm a little bit against. Well, he's top dog now without Zaki. Surely Zaki is is gone. Well, Mwanga's a, a slightly better horse than than laws of indices, is he not? When they do the right thing on him, mm. yeah. So, in answer to your question, I I, th- I think he should run in whichever race sets him up best for his next race. Probably, probably the futurity because I assume that the all-star mile and the big cash is what they're sort of having a – that would be on the radar for him, wouldn't it? I believe so. I've yeah. seen them trying to advertise him mm. for all-star mile voting. But the futurity is an interesting race, but it doesn't uh, doesn't feature on our podcast because we're off to the Dunno. We are off to the Dunno. And we know plenty about the futurity horses and so do you, the listener. They're all, they're all there. We know we, Well, we saw Thunderstruck versus Alligator Blood five times in the spring. So we've seen a, a fair bit of that. Although it is, I must admit, interesting because I was thinking, is the Thunderstruck good horse out of luck shtick wearing a bit thin? It's got to be, right? It's getting a bit tiresome. Well, he stalks alligator blood here. He picked him off in what was a thrilling race in the Maccabi Diva in the, in the spring. He gets alligator blood now with a run under his belt. I know that their goal is, is the big cash in the All-Star Mile, but I'm saying this is a, this is a, little, this is a moment for Thunderstruck. Enough nonsense. Win. <laughs> Get that mental edge. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, the alligator doesn't lie down easy. And when you've got a cheap lead around Sandown where they tend to do the whole, well, we've got a lot of time to reel him in and forget about, you know, it doesn't matter if you're running in a straight line for a long way. If he's running 33 or inside, um, I don't care if you're turning or running straight ahead, you've got to do something to run him down. So if you give alligator blood too many breaks in front and Shin is just the man, I mean, he has Tim Clark and he's had some great steers from Tim Clark, but Shin doesn't hurt. Shin, Shin V Carr is another element to that race, isn't it? But anyway, I'm digressing because we know all about that race. What we don't know is the Peter Young and what to make of the Melbourne Cup winner resuming because if he's anywhere near the peak of his powers and the, the form he showed at the back of last preparation, he probably cleans these up, I think, first up. And this time we're off a shorter break. So I did a bit of digging Digging. Did a bit of research. Thought I have you got fun facts in. for us? Uh, fun, debatable. <laughs> yeah. Facts, but something 
so since 2000, every Melbourne Cup winner, barring Maccabi Diva's 05 victory, mm-hmm. considering she didn't run again after that, there's been 21 runners for 18 losses and three wins and an average drop in a rating of 12 points on the time form scale. Mm-hmm. If he drops by the average, does he still pick these up and spit them out? He doesn't pick them up and spit them out, but he's still a good winning chance. So I have him, when I was mucking around with it and doing the race, if you like, I I thought he was most likely to run about eight pounds off his best. I'm, of course, using his twisted time form rating as well, so it's actually a little bit different. But it's um, even if he does that, and, and that would be a very similar drop to what you're talking about, I would think five to two is about the right price. But, of course, he doesn't have to dip. And maybe he's just a little bit more forward this time around. He said he was over a year off the scene before the spring and he improved and improved and improved with each run. But he did show a bit of zip first up. Memories in that was it Winter Challenge, Winter Stakes 1500 at Rose Hill before another little freshen in the naturalism where he was good. But I think he was just, he just lacked that little edge. But he should have that this time around because he's had a big campaign and he raced so well throughout it. And he's a, he's a damn fine horse. So. He is a he's a quality dunno because he he could be you could price him one or two ways you could price him as a horse for further kicking off off his best just in the ruck amongst the chances others are probably better suited at, at eighteen hundred although quite a few of them are, are for further um, or you could say no 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 this is the best horse and you could you could screw that price right down and at prices bigger than two to one you could have yourself a a really healthy bet. Um, of course, I'm sitting on the fence, and due to that, he goes into the Dunno category. Who would have thought? Mm. <laughs> I'm actually a little bit interested in Numerian in that race. Numerian? For interest's sake, on the side. Do big. you have any more facts about Gold Trip? Numerian was big in during the Queensland Winter Carnival, wasn't he? Numerian is a Q22 winner, and I can tell you there's, that is illustrious company that he keeps on his own. There has only been one Q22 winner, and there will only ever be one Q22 winner. You're looking at me blankly. It'll be the Q23 this year. <laughs> Are we sure? Surely. That's isn't that the idea? Oh, I wasn't. I'm not. I'm not across the uh, or is naming the, of races. Or is the 22? Is it like the 1351 Turf Cup at Riyadh, where the number is not the year, but rather the distance of the race? Is it 22 because they run 2200 meters? Well, isn't Q22 a building? <laughs> well, now you've really thrown a spanner in the works. Well, who knows what the Q22 is? But it's a it's a race that Numerian won. And he could win this as well because I think he's I think he's a bit big in the early betting, to be honest. I just think he's probably better suited at 1,800 than others and easier to forecast around his best, which isn't as good as Gold Trip. Gold Trip had his measure in the spring, but not by enough that he could be way off. Way off. Interesting race. Good Dunno value in that race. In fact, good Dunno value across Sandown. But no Bizarros. I thought the favourite's probably all just about right. That's correct. Or no, at least the ones that I, if I disagreed with them being favourite, I didn't think it was bizarre. I thought they, the favourite was the favourite. You could be for or you could be against, but it was favourite, right? But when I looked across the ditch to the El Cheapo cars, I was a little bit surprised. Were you a little bit surprised when you saw Levante favourite at a mile against La Creek? Yeah, aforementioned El Cheapo cars. Yeah, It was a bit surprising, wasn't it? It's considering especially how high... Regard you hold La Creek, especially over a mile. You thought she'd come over here and just blitz the Empire Rose. 
And so did many other people, the way she was backed on race day as well. She didn't start very short there, yeah. She was she was very well fancied and that came off a second up mile win where she came off the 1400 first up and exploded to win the mile at Hawke's Bay, part of the Hawke's Bay Wait for Age treble that we look forward to every spring. Uh, the widest margin winner of that race and by miles this century. Uh, Melody Bell 2.8 lengths in 2019, which was the second of her three wins in that race, was the pick of them and she did win an Empire Rose. Um, but La Creek was better than that. Absolutely hammered Mustang Valley who lobs in Sydney this weekend. I'll have to have a good look at that race. Coming off Imperatrice form of sorts. She was getting 60 kilos. <laughs> uh, Mustang Valley came to Melbourne as well, just quietly. I didn't make a big fuss, but Mustang Valley just slipped into the country, jogged around behind them in the champion stakes and went home, and then tossed the jock behind Imperatrice, but she turns up back in Sydney and that'll be of interest. But... I am digressing. So Levante, since she's gone back from the very same day at Flemington, champion sprint where she ran another cracker and went first up off 238 days, which I think was a slightly foolish play. I think they probably should have had a run. Do you Just know? say it was a horrible mistake. I think they should have run. <laughs> um, she's been here twice now. She, got, she was the honorary winner, the winner in my heart of the new market, wrong side. And I think she's better than Rock and Horse. And then she's behind Rock and Horse again in the champion sprint, but goes first up, concedes fitness. But she was only two pounds off her absolute peak in that busy finish. She's gone back to New Zealand and hasn't peaked. She's won. She's won one from three back in New Zealand. But it didn't have to be at her very best. A few draggy horses that are getting smashed up off handicap marks in the 70s were too close for comfort. They were a long way away, granted, but too close for comfort if we want to be saying this is the real Levante. Uh, which is fine, I must say. She's, you know, when you're doing the job and you know, she's not out there to, to win by margin. She's just out there to win. She's not there to impress me, sadly. She should be. Um, but, yeah, she, was, she comes through the Imperatrice race. She did beat La Creek home and started shorter in the market. So are we reaching a bit to call it bizarre? Maybe. But I, I just think it's so easy. La Creek had missed the kickoff run she wanted at a mile. She was having the 1,400-metre burn around. She held her place in the betting anyway. She was 6-1 to one there when I think most knew this was a stepping stone. She's got the obvious profile to peak. It's so easy to forecast La Creek at her peak, and it's hard, I think, to forecast Levante at a mile. She had two goes at a mile and run 108-106. It's not getting it done. That's not up at her 116 level, which is, I think she's priced to 116.18, and she's coming off a 107, and her mile form is 106.8. I think that's optimistic, and I'm saying it's fringing on bizarre. So in she goes as the the bizarro Levante. So if we if we priced it up really aggressively the way I want to play, <laughs> and why wouldn't you want to follow me in with Blink's bet? Mm, and say La Creek's here to run her big second up mile rating, and Levante is just going to repeat the win from two back, which is fine. I'm still being reasonably upbeat about Levante. I'm saying she'll, she'll run well, but without being quite at her best, then I'm thinking five to four versus four to one. That would make two to one now about La Creek a great gamble. Uh, and then even if we soften our views somewhat and say, okay, well, let's, let's give them both. Let's give Levante her 116 as well and say, look, she'll stay the mile and she's primed to peak here at a mile, even though we're speculating there. But we're being kind. Then I go, well, then I'm five, um, seven to four, the pair of them. And so I'm still showing some value on La Creek at those early prices and saying that La Creek is 
not a bad bet at the very least. So I'm saying La Creek is either not a bad bet and you're not being un- you're not being handled, you're getting some value for money, or you're getting great value for money, one of the two. Such is the nature of forecasting the future. I don't know which one of the two, but it's nice to know that you've at least got things potentially stacked in, in your favour. I think I think she's a good bet. That sounds like a win-win proposition. <laughs> it's just got to cross the line first now. Yeah, that's the yeah. Yeah, it's all well and good. It's always good telling, you know, when you've lost, telling everyone what a great bet it was. It's um, Especially when you're telling people that do back it. <laughs> you've backed the loser, they've backed the winner, and you're like, no, but trust me, you might have the cash, but mine was the better bet. <laughs> yeah, okay, buddy. Wild Knights, hard, the three-year-old is hard in the betting there as well, in the tangerine. Um, I would say almost at four to one in there, candidate for Bizarro himself, having been pretty much handled by Sharp and Smart last time. You wouldn't have said things went very well for, for Sharp and Smart last time. Off a slow pace, sprint home, and Wild Knight had the, the better run and got, yeah, what was the margin? Just shy of three lengths, but I'm saying belted by Sharp and Smart. Not as good as Sharp and Smart, clearly, based on that evidence. And given that, I'm thinking you shouldn't be good enough to beat the, the version of La Creek that I'm betting on. So there you go. There's a wrap-up of the time-honoured El Cheapo Cars Wait for Age Classic. And I'm we've put the bubbles up for the El Cheapo Cars Classic. We've got big races going, the bubble machine on the Racing and Sports Ratings page. So there goes the El Cheapo Cars up with the Chipping Norton and I think the Futurity. Staying across the Tasman, have you had a look at Tokyo Tycoon going around in the Matamata Slipper? No more than to know that it is. Have you? You've, you've, you've popped this question. You've got a view. Well, I just remember when we did the review podcast, we put a little plus to it next to his name due to his sectional prowess at the end of the Karaka Millions. And pops up here, I think he's pretty short odds on almost. And if he had run a more efficient race on that occasion, he could have been the highest rated two-year-old anywhere in the world at that time. And I was wondering if you had any lean or are you on the fence once again? Yeah, that sounds optimistic for a New Zealand two-year-old, doesn't it? But at the same time, you are right. It was a smash-up job, and you're right. He was running all over them at the finish of the of the Karaka Million. And the the right horses were in the frame there, weren't they? Including Trobriand, who turns up again on... That's the, that's the head-to-head, is it not? In the time-honoured Matamata Slipper. Tangerine, go at it once again. It is, And I note that Opie is uh, off to Matamata for this as opposed to riding... In the El Cheapo cars, and geez, it must be a big carrot to keep a man out of the El Cheapo cars. So they obviously are holding Tokyo Tycoon in, in high regard, and I don't know whether is here an option. The timing would be about right. Are they? If you win here, can you? They've got the diamond stakes and such over there. They've got their own group ones to win, but didn't they had six or seven in the Caracas Million? So is there an idea that that if Tokyo Tycoon goes big in the Matamata slipper and, and beats the stablemate impressively that and the stablemate goes well enough to say he could be the, the group one horse at home. Could Tokyo Tycoon be on the boat? It could be, but would you believe that Queensland's more of a viable option for him? More realistic, yeah. So he's rated about 105 at this point, but as you say, 105 and with room to improve given the way he went about it the other day. So... That's that's not slipper areas. And when you say he was right up there with the best two-year-olds here, that was in mid-January. Things have escalated. Well, they haven't escalated yeah. as quickly as you would have 
as they potentially could have escalated, but they have, and they're only going to hot up further and further, starting with the Blue Diamond on the weekend, which we haven't touched on, but for good reason, I have no idea. <laughs> Not buying into the uh, Steel Sydney SF Sydney form? A Steel City Sydney form. Behind a red resistance and learning to fly? Wow, it's a, that to me is just a, a classic case of what does the market miss there? It's the box ticker. It all sounds good, but where's your value for money? Not, not much at the moment. Speaking of value for money, so your best for the weekend is Romantic Warrior and hope that the, uh, hope that the fans plough into Golden 60? Yeah, it's a bit gross tipping an odds-on chance in Romantic Warrior, but... Well, not if you think it's got a better chance than the price. Well, I definitely do, and I, hopefully some of the uh, weirdos out there will pile straight into Golden 60, their lord and saviour. And we'll get an even better price and a boosted price, hopefully, depending on where you bet, of even money or better. And what about you, Adam Blinko? Best bet this weekend? Uh, best bet for me is going to be at Sandown. And it's going to be in the Angus Armanesco Stakes, race two, getting in early. So for the third week in a row, it's a three-year-old filly for me. Uh, I've been left feeling a little ill after the last two. You'd think I'd learn my lesson, but no, we go again. Uh, Shuffle Dancer is... Bigger than five to two in early markets. That's good value for money for mine. She got herself out of a jam to win at the Valley last time. She got herself into an awkward spot there, but far, far too good. But it's the run prior that, that I'm excited about. And the split she ran there said that this is a this is a good filly. This is a filly much better than the, the bear form. And a race like this is very much within her range. And I think she'll win it. There's some nice horses in there. There's some improvers in there. She's legally split, I think, is actually a very sharp improver. A barrier probably puts laced up heels in a tricky spot because I think they'll overdo that. Lock her in for the Pendrith already, Chris Barnum. Yeah, yeah. well, Simo will have the, the crosshairs on his back. Um, but Shuffle Dancer should be close enough. I would think I would think Mellon would be happy to be fairly positive. I like the wide draw for her, actually. I like options and I like her not getting into a sticky spot like she got into last start when she was at... Very short odds, now 5-2. to two. Admittedly, that's because she's racing much, much better horses, but she's well up to it, Shuffle Dancer. I think that's. I think you can mark her much shorter than that. <laughs> so much so, I have. That'll do us? That will do us. Simon Anopoulos will not be back on Monday, so we'll be leaving the review show to Tuesday, give Blanks a bit of extra time to assess and analyse what happened over the weekend and come out with some brilliant points. <laughs> Sure. For the review podcast on Tuesday this week. Assess, analyze, bemoan. 